This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Here we go. This is the Pick Six Podcast, guys. And this, Sunday Night Super Friends, that's Will Brinson. That's John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson. And this is a Sunday Night Super Friends Week 3 NFL Recap 2023 edition. All right, so here's the plan, just so we're clear, because we get a little pushback from uh, from folks every now and then. We're going to hit on our top 10 takeaways. Not every single football game. For Week 3, the biggest storylines, the best players, the top plays, and those suspect coaching decisions that bring us together as a nation. Hello, Josh McDaniels. Man, it's an awesome day of football. First things first, though, remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL on CBS. And, of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Breach so you never miss a show. All right. Hey, going Wilson, in. before we get started, do you have a teleprompter? We're going in, Breach. Do you have a teleprompter? <laughs> we saw Oh, Harry. my God. Do you have a teleprompter, don't you? We saw producer Harry flashing his Dolphins jersey. So, first up, we're going to South Florida. Breach, are you wearing Tanner? Where the Dolphins dropped a 70-burger on the Broncos. By the way, Breach, that's only the fourth time in NFL history that a team has scored 70, and you have to go back to 1966 to find out the last time it happened. The Dolphins, meanwhile, are 3-0, and in large part because Tua has been healthy. When he's healthy, he has been dealing. So think about it after how last year played out for him with all the concussions. This year around, he's been hit five times in three games. That's it, one sack. Well, real quick, funny you mentioned last year, Wilson, because through three weeks this year, his stats are the same exact as through three weeks last year. Wild. 101 completions, attempts, uh, eight touchdowns, two interceptions, exact same. 3-0 this year, 3-0 last year. Somehow, even with a 70-point game, two is the same guy. He just That's pretty crazy. He's not getting hit. He's not getting hit because it feels like that last year – you don't even remember the first three games because of the concussions. And, Brenton, let me set you up, and we'll get right to it here. Here, Here's my big takeaway. Tua is the best quarterback in the NFL. This is the best offense in the NFL. Mike McD, Mike McDaniel, the second-year head coach, is the best play caller in the NFL. So, Brenton, I'll ask you first if you agree with that. And the follow-up will be the same question I asked you two weeks ago. Is Tua worth that $55 million a year-plus money? Okay, so a uh, couple of answers to your couple of questions. Um, you know, one, I think the difference, too, is like last year they beat the Patriots 27, beat the Ravens 42-38, and then beat the Bills 21-19. to 
it feels like to me that Tua is in much greater and those, those are pretty good defenses too last year by the way. Um feels like to me that Tua is in much greater control of this offense this year and that everybody in year two of Mike McDaniel is much more comfortable, which makes total sense. Like, you know, we gave Mike McDaniel a ton of credit last year because he you know, is cool little hipster dude comes in, um, takes over the team, runs it really well. They have these issues with the, you know, the concussion stuff, but like by and large, I mean like a really, really successful first year for Mike McDaniel. Uh, you know, he handles the media. Well, he handles the players. Well, he uh, is his coaches. Like he's just everything really well. Like you get the sense he's going to be a really good coach for a really long time. Now that can change, but I, I would be surprised if it did. Um, I just feel like much more impressed by the way that Tua's performed in these first three weeks this season than last season. Like if you had said, these his stats are exactly the same through three weeks. Do you believe that? I would have said no. His stats can't be as good as they were because he just scored seventy points. Um, they did win in week two last year by coming back, just like they did this year when they when they they came back against the Chargers. Um, they you know they've been in a shootout, but they you know they played some decent teams. And I, I would say that Tua is not the best quarterback in the NFL right now. But I would say that he, if you were if you were doing an a at post week three. Uh, MVP poll that Tua would be the number one pick to be the MVP right now as it stands. Um, what does MVP stand for? Most valuable player. That doesn't mean he's the best quarterback. Sort of does. Okay, so you you want to take Tua over Patrick Mahomes? That's what you're saying. Through three weeks, he has been absolutely dealing. I'm yes. not. Uh, I'm I'm just saying that he's not the best. The best quarterback is something different to well, me. That's why we're talking about it. Reach. Well, I was just going to say, as crazy as Brinson sounded, because it did sound like he contradicted himself, I actually agree with him that if you mix everything we've said together, I think, Wilson, you said Mike McDaniel is the best play caller. Uh, Brinson said that right now, through three weeks, Tua looks like the best quarterback, but that doesn't mean he is the best. You, know, If you're building a franchise and you're having a draft tomorrow, you're not taking Tua over Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't think so. But here is where your two things kind of mesh is that uh, this is from Next Gen Stats. We all saw Tua complete his first 18 pass attempts. It is that Mike McDaniel is putting in these high percentage yes. situations where uh, his average completion probability, according to Next Gen Stats, when he started off going 18 to 18 was 80 point eight that is wild that means these guys the, the routes they're running they're getting open and all Tua has to do is not throw the ball straight into the ground and it should be a completion but the fact that you have a completion probability that high on 18 straight throws is just that, that is coaching that is Mike McDaniel just devising this scheme that again we talk about McDaniel being part of the, the Kyle Shanahan tree that's what Kyle Shanahan does he schemes everybody open except I think two is better than Brock Purdy I think the the Dolphins probably have uh, Christian McCaffrey dices is up a little bit but I I'd rather have the the receivers that the Dolphins have yeah. And then, you know, you can argue about running back, but it's just crazy what Mike McDaniel's done. Well, I mean, so I think when you look at what the Dolphins are right now as a team and somebody in the chat saying I look crazy, it's because my son sliced up my nose last night while we were wrestling around oh, the house. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's pretty bad. You should see the other guy. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. He's, he's, he's grounded. Nine. He's grounded in his room. <laughs> um, the, uh, um, I, I think, and I wrote about this in sort of the Sunday pile, which you can read on cbssports.com, but like the Dolphins, when you look at their skill position, guys, one, uh, they invested highly in these people. Tyreek Hill, they sent a ton of picks, including a first-rounder for Jalen Waddell, high first-round pick. Tua, 
well, sixth overall, right? High first round pick or whatever. He was seventh. Yeah, he, he, was, oh, he was fifth and Herbert was sixth. Excuse me. That's right. Uh, and then you have uh, Devin Achain, who's a third round pick. You have Raheem Mostert, who wasn't a high pick, but was a priority free agent because of what he'd done in San Francisco in the run game under Mike McDaniel. And what those three guys all have in common as well? Speed. These guys are fast as hell. Like this... This group and, and two and two is even like pretty quick for his, you know, for, for what he is. Um, this group is just fast. And I think that's really important because whereas the Niners are maybe like the Niners are so strong and they have speed too, right? Like Debo and Ayuk and George Kittle and Chris McCaffrey all fast for this their position. The Niners feel like tough and like strong and physical. The Dolphins feel like a like if if the Niners are a I'm trying to think of the car comp for the Niners. Like a, it's not, it's not a Mack truck or anything like that. But they're, like they're they're a H two Hummer and the Dolphins yeah, or like are a Lamborghini. A Viper. Yeah, yeah. It's like okay, the Dol- I mean, the, they have and you. But so you talk about this it's sort of. It's sort of like a spinoff of Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? You have, as you point out, Breach, Mike McDaniel, who worked for Kyle Shanahan, who's the, the you know. The whole point of these play designs, the whole point of this offense, the whole way he's building it out is to get these guys in open positions and to get them the ball. Tua doesn't have to be the best quarterback. He just has to be the best. At, he just has to be the perfect point guard. And that's what he is. He's really good at it. He makes quick throws. Makes He's a quick processor, quick decision maker, gets the ball, throws an accurate football, and can push the ball down the field if he needs to. But because you have all this speed, it's like every time – you get one of these completions into space, it is an absolute threat to be a six points. And when it all clicks and you have a defense that checks out because they went out on South Beach or something on Saturday night, you end up scoring 70 points. I'll, the, I'll just push back on that because if you watch two his throws, and I've, I went back and watched all his throws for watching some of the young guys as well, no one throws with better anticipation than Tua in uh, the I'm, NFL. So if you, I mean, you can sort of build it around and breach huge disrespect to you for not calling out Frank Smith, offensive coordinator for the Dolphins, and only mentioning Mike McD, Miami of Ohio grad. But if you just sort of discount that two is a function of this offense, and breach, you mentioned he's better than Brock Purdy. He is miles better than Brock Purdy. And here's you know here's the little thought experiment I like to do when we're talking about usually Matt Kennedy and Kyle Kyle Shanahan. Uh, by the way, I mean, but just here a, let just me finish. Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Well, don't here's talk about Matt so What if you put Patrick Mahomes in Miami's offense. Are they better than they are with Tua? Yes. What do you think, Breach? They're they're scoring as many points and being as efficient as as, as they have been through three games? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> That's fine. We can disagree and, on that. And flip that if you put Tua on the Chiefs offense, uh are the Chiefs as good? I don't no. think so. Well, there's no one no one's throwing with better anticipation than Tua. I mean, you can go back and watch some of those some of those throws. It's, now today guys were running wide ass open. So that I would ask you to go look at the the first but, two but, but what I'm saying out. is not what I'm saying is not taking away from Tua's anticipation or his intelligence as a quarterback. It's, I'm saying the same thing you are. Like he he understands the offense. He anticipates where guys are going to be, and he's putting the ball in great placement, exactly where they needed to be. So like you know, you talk about like yak like uh, George Kittle on Thursday night was talking about how the 49ers in the offseason they study yak tape. Like they just pull tape of guys who've already caught the ball and how do you you know can you stem can you stem up can you get vertical can you pick up those extra yards well a big part of that is the quarterback delivering the ball in a position where you can easily and quickly receive the ball 
turn up field and start to you know get get vertical and pick up those extra yards after catch. And I think Tua, Tua does a fabulous job about that. When I say the point guard and the distribution and the timing and all that, I mean like all of that is anticipation. Like it's it's not a knock on him. He you're just I just not. I mean like I'm taking Mahomes, Josh Allen, and a healthy Joe Burrow over to a. All right, Breach. Let me ask you this. Ten out of ten. Is Tua two part of question? Brinson didn't ask, answer the second part of my other question. Two part question to you is Tua, and we're going to move on in a second. Is Tua the best quarterback in that draft class? It includes Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And are you paying him $55 million plus a year? Oh, Wilson. Uh, the, the answer to the question with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, obviously, I'm going to say no. It's not even fair to ask me. Maybe Tua can get to a Super Bowl before we put him uh, in Does he have the to same win conversation as Joe Burrow. No, I don't think he has to win it, but I think. If you're the Dolphins, all you want to see this season is Tua make it through all 17 games. Fair if he enough. makes it through all 17 games, then you give him the contract. It's that simple. If it, you know, okay. we're only in week three. Last year in week three, okay. they were also three and zero. They didn't make the playoffs. You know, we we were crowning the Dolphins last year, and granted, uh, it's a lot more exciting to crown a team after they score 70 points because that is absolutely bonkers. But again, three and zero last year. Let's see if week four was actually the game. I think a Thursday night against the At Bengals where Tua got injured. So it's just. Let's get through week five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There are a lot of games left. There are 14 games left for Miami. And if Tua does make it through healthy and the Dolphins are looking this good, they don't have to score 70 every week. You know, it's okay <laughs> if they only score 50. Uh, but yeah, if, if he starts all 17 games, uh, I'm absolutely giving him the $55 million oh, okay. a year. Because week one, you, you were less certain. Brinson, are you coming around on, on Brinson? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, look, I, I, yeah I was right about, I read about that too. I mean, like, I don't think it's a matter of, again, it's not a matter of is Tua can to a play well enough to deserve the contract. Like, wait, sure. I mean, he's, I, I, I would have thought that last year for most of the year, it's just purely a matter of like, if you give this guy, this big contract, like, let's say you give him the con, let's say you gave him this contract. Cause as breach pointed out. He has the exact same stats as last year as this year. Um, let's say you gave him, I guess you couldn't have given him the contract last year, but you get the point. If you get him the contract right now, and then the concussion thing happened again, you would have severe buyer's remorse about the contract. And that's, that's it's almost all it like is. having a calf injury. Well, I was going to say, look, I'll weigh in right here. I'm a little uneasy with the Joe Burrow contract, <laughs> and I think he absolutely deserved it. So there right. is always exactly. that little yeah. thing in the back of your mind that says, oh, and especially if somebody has an injury history, then it is really there just kind of nagging at you. And if you're the owner who is signing the $275 million contract, it's definitely, you got your lawyers talking to you in one year, like, hey, man, we can't insure this. So you got to uh, go ahead and make sure he's not going to get injured. You know, what, you know, you know, it's a remarkable fact. And I'm going to help you segue, Wilson. The Denver <laughs> Broncos just though. lost by 50 points. 50 points. We're three weeks into the season. They lost by 50 points and they don't have the worst points to point differential in the NFL right now. That is incredible to me. That is crazy. You can tell us who it is. The Bears. Oh, gosh. Denver's 53 were, and the Chicago's 59. <laughs> All right, let's move over uh, to... And, and if the Bengals lose by 35 on Monday night, it will be them. Oh, they're not losing by 35. Okay, All right, let's talk God. about the other Jake team lose by on the other side of the ball there who 100% uh, no-showed. Sean Payton gave his Brandon Staley post-game interview. Brandon Staley last week, Sean Payton this week. He did not want to hear the noise about his team laying down. And, um, Brentson, I came to you to start, but I'll come back to you again because you were an ardent Sean Payton defender and you thought that he would be the magic elixir that would fix this thing. Now, it's worth pointing out that Sean Payton... Wanted Vic Fangio to be his defense coordinator. Vic Fangio was on the other side as part of that, that ass whooping that they laid on the Broncos. Russ Wilson actually is better. It don't matter. So, uh, again, I'll 
keep asking this question like I keep asking the $55 million a year to a question. Is Sean Payton the answer? Because Sean Payton, Peyton in the answer, and I think this means he ain't going anywhere. I think it means Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, might be uh, his seat might be higher than Brandon Staley's right now. Yeah, and by the way, the uh, the Dolphins did make the playoffs last year, Breach, but Skyler Thompson had to play for him. Lost, yeah, didn't want to play off game. As well. Yeah, 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 they did want to play off game. Yeah. Um, so a uh, shout out to uh, Josh Leggett in the chat who reminded us that, that uh, of that of that of that fact that we should remember as professional football writers, but just blindly let Breach. Lead they us they into. were just, for instance, they were in the playoffs. Their trip was so short, no one remembers it. Trip was short. Um, that's a fish reference. No one will get it. Moving on. Uh, so yeah, Vance Joseph, super, super hot seat. Um, you know, Sean Payton, Magic Elixir. Yeah, it was really more about like Magic Elixir for Russell Wilson. I'm not saying that Russell Wilson's been good, but Russell Wilson uh didn't give up 70 points. So Sean Payton bears not of the blame, is what I'm hearing. No, I mean Sean Payton because the Payton Hackett uh, took a lot of lot of flack. He called it embarrassing and hard to watch. And then the follow-up, the reporter was like, so you called it embarrassing. He's like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm just wondering, what's the question? What's the question? He's like, when you have a historically embarrassing law, <laughs> Sean Payton's like, I'm not answering that question. What's next? Um, like, I mean, understandably pissed off. You know, you, um, is it, it, Wilson, is it you who keeps saying, you're like, what if, you're like, what if, what if he's like Nathaniel Hackett had the worst coaching job of all time? It's like, what if Sean Payton is the second worst? I mean, somebody keeps saying that. I didn't say that, but that's a, that's a question that should be asked, I would imagine, because what are we doing? Oh, I mean, uh, this, Nathaniel Hackett doesn't look like the worst coach in Broncos history anymore, huh? No, certainly he not through the first the game, 70 to 20. He was two and one <laughs> after three weeks. What's crazy about the 70 points, too, is that like, you're like, well, the only other time that happened was in 1951. It's like, who was dropping 70 burgers in 51? <laughs> God, like, I, mean, I guess he's just running the ball up and down the field, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, Russ, 23 at 38, 306, touchdown on a pick. Uh, Javante Williams didn't do a whole lot in the run game. Gordon Sutton, okay. They had a couple of touchdowns called back. I thought the offense was fine-ish-ish. Um, 21 to 10, you know, with like 631 left in the, uh, or 636, excuse me, left in the second quarter, you know, you're, you're down, you're down double digits, but you, you feel like the game is, you know, I mean, somewhat, uh, you know, like somewhat within reach. And then the, of course the, uh, the, the Dolphins tackle on two more touchdowns before the Broncos get a field goal. It's 35, 13 at half. Uh, it was just the, the, the rapid speed with which the, um, the Dolphins were scoring, by virtue of just uh, of the mistakes that the Broncos made and and like the Dolphins, it was like they were running through just wide open. I mean, maybe that first catch from Tyreek Hill, you see him catch it. You're like the touchdown catch. You're like, he's going to score very, very easily. Turns a corner up, up, you know, gets up the field and it's 54 yards in. Um, yeah. I, I think that this is probably, as you point out, Wilson, a case of, um, you know, where you're Sean Payton's going to fire his defensive coordinator. I don't, I feel like Sean Payton has got a pretty, good track record when he was in New Orleans of not having a short leash, but he also was, you know, Pete Carmichael, he called the plays. Pete Carmichael is his longtime offensive coordinator. So you didn't really have a whole lot of like people that you had to scapegoat. And usually if the, if the defense was decent, you know, you would see like, I think Dennis Allen, um, or, you know, he, he got his head coaching job. It, it just didn't feel like he fired a ton of people. Right. Here, let me ask Bruce a question. Cause um, you're, you're getting to a point here. So, Justin Simmons was out. Frank Clark was out. You can make excuses if you want, but I don't think there were 70 points breached. Let me read you two stats 
from the Miami offensive side of the ball. And then explain to me how Vance Joseph is going to have a conversation with his head coach on Monday morning when they have, have their little meeting here. The odds of Tua, and you sort of touched on this, and this is next-gen stats, the odds of Tua completing every one of his 16 pass attempts in the first half uh, based on completion probability, 2.2%. And he did it. And this other stat I want to read you, again, next-gen stats. Every one of Tyreek Hill's nine interceptions against the Broncos came on an in-breaking route. 157 yards on in-breaking routes is the most in the game over the last four seasons. So, again, if I'm if I'm Sean Payton and you're Vance Joseph and I say, hey, how do you explain this, Vance? What, what are you going to say? Well, if you're Vance Joseph, at some point you think you would have just said, hey, guys, watch for the in-breaking route with Tyreek <laughs> Hill, where somebody just says something. But there, so some of this is all combined because obviously you're Sean Payton, you're going to get grilled for this and what the offense did. And uh, I see some people saying that Russell Wilson piled up garbage time yards with his 300-yard game. That is not actually the case. Russell Wilson had nearly 200 yards at halftime. If you told a Broncos fan that Russell Wilson hit 193, if you said Russell Wilson's going to throw for 193 in the first half and be on pace for 400 yards, they would assume that they would have been thrilled. They would have given you any amount of money to see those stats uh, until they also saw. We're, we're down by we're down by three or three points, maybe six points, maybe we're winning. So nope, you're down 35-13, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so. It, it, the Broncos offense wasn't horrible. It was just like the defense. I don't want to say they gave up, but it just seemed like they looked got like out it. there realized after, I don't know, two possessions, maybe the first play with Tyree kill that they were just completely overmatched that they watched the wrong film or something this week. And it, it just, <laughs> it, it felt like they watched the wrong film. I, that's what it looked like. And so you got to the first possession of the second half. Dolphins are up 35-13. The Broncos could have gone down, scored, made 35-20. But when that didn't happen, it really just felt like the defense mailed it in. They're like, eh, we're not coming back. Our offense stinks. We stink. We're done. Let's just make not let them score 70. But then the Dolphins scored 70 anyway. So I think heads are going to have to roll. If you're Sean Payton, this is too embarrassing of a loss for someone not to lose their job. So I won't be surprised if Vance Joseph uh, is gone. Maybe this week, maybe next week. But I don't think he's going to be around for more than one season with Peyton. Well, so, I mean, it's like, as I pointed out here, too, they yeah, were move on quickly on this. Give me something. Give me like one minute. So we'll, we'll keep moving. So we don't yeah, get so I, I mean, like they were down 21 to 10, right? They, they kicked a field goal to make it 21, 10. And so you're like, all right, this is going pretty, pretty poorly. Let's just try and get to half right with, uh, with, I think, um, 641 left. Like let's, let's just try and stem the tide here. Uh, the dolphins go, the dolphins march. They punch it in with a minute, like just under the two minute warning, uh, with a Raheem Mostert 20 yard touchdown run. And then immediately after the next possession, Cortland Sutton fumbles on a, after he catches a pass from Russell Wilson, the, the dolphins take it back to the three and bang, punch it in. It's 35 to 10. So it's like at that point, your defense is like, dude, I mean, what, 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 like, I mean, as breach points out, they probably checked out. So, just one word answer. Brinson, are, are you any hope this Dump Broncos team makes the playoffs? No. Nah. Breach? Is there any hope they make the playoffs now? This year, yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, 0-3, typically 2.5% chance to make the playoffs, and I think for the Broncos it's probably a negative number. Quickly, most losses by 50 or more points in NFL history. The Broncos have three, and the other team that has three – the Rochester Jeffersons, who were last in the NFL in 1925. They tied the freaking Jeffersons? The Jeffersons. Not the George Jeffersons, the Rochester Jeffersons. But get a Rochester Jeffersons jersey. All right, Breeze, coming back to you. Oh, I'm going to give you three upsets from Sunday's action. You tell me which one was worse, because I have an idea. Texans over the Jaguars. Colts overtime over the Ravens. Are the Cardinals beating the Doo-doo, the breaks off the Cowboys. Which one are you going with? 
I am going to go with the Cardinals beating the doo-doo out of the Cowboys. <laughs> We're talking upsets now, so I'm not going to go too deep into this on the Cowboys side, but I will say the Cardinals, Jonathan Gannon, I, this is like underrated who I would give my coach of the right. year to through three, my NFC. I'd give the AFC version to Mike McDaniel. But what Gannon has done, this team, everyone thought they were going to go 0-17. They looked horrible. Everyone thought they were tanking. And you look at what they've done this season. I mean, they're, they're legitimately six plays away from being 3-0, and yeah. which is absolutely bonkers when you think. <laughs> I mean, really they led Washington 16-10 to in the fourth quarter. They had that 28-7 to lead against the Giants in the third quarter, and they smoked the Cowboys. I Their mean, first regular season depth chart had an or at quarterback. I, <laughs> <laughs> they're doing all this with Josh Dobbs at their quarterback who literally got signed to the team like two weeks before the season started. Think of your Dak Prescott or Sam Howe or Daniel Jones. You're getting outplayed by this guy who signed with the team less than a month ago. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. And that's really credit to, uh, I mean, really Jonathan Gannon. He's been able, he was, I feel like people were laughing at him in August. Now he's kind of getting the last laugh with, hey, look, we're actually not that bad and we're going to play tough. And it's to his credit that this team didn't go out there and flop and fall on their face. And now I think you have to take Arizona seriously. So I think the so card, I, I know that's weird. I, it's just so not that they're going to make the playoffs, but that they can win any They're not week. a homecoming game. And, then, yeah. way, and this is not, I mean, this is not a joke. This is serious. Josh Dobbs was doing something cool with this, but it, um, September is Alopecia Awareness Month, which is, I mean, you know, it's pretty pretty awesome that Josh Dobbs is out here balling out. Um, you know, he's also an aerospace engineer, which also helps. And by the way, I just want to follow up quickly before I come to you, Brinson. Uh, Drew Petzing, the the he might be the youngest OC in the uh, NFL for the Cardinals, had a relationship with Dobbs from their time together in Cleveland, but that's still no expectations that he was going to do the things that he did today. Uh, Brinson, one more thing on that game. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, one more thing. Uh, Shout out to Matt Brader, who hit a 62-yard field goal just before halftime, even though the holder held the ball with the laces in. This don't is, matter. you know, we all know our Ray Finkel jokes. You don't hold the ball with the laces in because it kind of knuckles, and it, it did knuckle, and it was a low line drive, and somehow the thing stayed straight for 62 yards. And so, yeah, how much? How much do you think um, the way the Cardinals are playing affects their decision on when they bring Kyler Murray back? They're going to be like, Kyler, we're paying Josh Dobbs 120th of what we pay you, and he's better. So well, no, no, I don't think no Kyler's way. better, but it, it, it makes it yeah. dicey. You yeah. don't have to I rush mean, Kyler it, back. It depends. If he wants to play within the confines of the offense, I'm sure he's an upgrade, but you know, we'll see. Um, a couple other things. Uh, Matt Prater, turns out he's better than Justin Tucker, at least on one day. Justin missed a 61-yarder. And uh, Brinson, I'm going to go with the Texans over the Jaguars. That's the biggest upset of the day. Do you agree with that? No, I will go with Colts over Ravens, but you can explain Texans over Jaguars while I... No, you go ahead. I was I was setting you up. Oh, I, know. I, know. I had an idea what you are going to say. Yeah, I know. I wrote it in the rundown. Uh, the, um, I'll go with Colts over Ravens, and here's why. I think that... So, Cowboys losing to the Cardinals, like, in terms of point spread, obviously the biggest one. But I think the Cowboys probably kind of mailed this in. They're like, we're going to go to Arizona and beat the brakes off of this. Like, we got a third straight bad team to start the year. Like, let's just go do what we do, boys. And I think they, I think they walked in. They took the Cardinals lightly. And it's not going to hurt them in the over the long haul in terms of the NFC. However, and I was going to say Texans over Jaguars because that's like that's a that's a that's a pretty huge one. But I think the Jaguars can bounce back. I have major concerns about their 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 offensive play calling. Um, Doug Peterson may need to step in, and of course, like is their offense can their offense get better? But the Colts over the Ravens, they did this with a backup quarterback 
against an undefeated Baltimore team, and you have the you know the 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 like you know, and, and I think that like you have the Baltimore Colts factor, which nobody really actually cares about, but it's kind of a revenge game, maybe um, <laughs> like a, a really old revenge game. And I, I think be a revenge game for Baltimore, Brenton. They're the ones that lost. Oh the yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, yeah, you can do it either way. Uh, but yeah, uh, but you have you know you have Gardner Minshew comes in for Anthony Richardson. You have Shane Steichen winning this game, which really like you're like your first year coach. You got a banged up rookie quarterback who's who's missing the game with concussion issues, and then you you know you go and win it with your backup quarterback. That's huge. Colts defense plays really well, and I think now um, you know the Colts could have beaten the Jaguars in Week One. They smoked the Texans in Week Two. The Jags are, I mean, the Colts aren't that far from being 3-0, and and I think you can make a reasonable case that in the NFC South, the AFC South, excuse me, where, you know, the Jaguars are struggling, the Titans have struggled, the Texans have struggled, the you know, the Colts are a viable contender to win that division in a year where nobody thought they would be, able, like, even in the mix. Like, they're, like, nine months removed from having Jeff Saturday as their coach. And, and so, for me, that's why this win over – the division-leading Ravens, who were a huge favorite, I think seven and a half points in this game, beating the Ravens straight up with your backup quarterback it, when you're undermanned like the way they were, to me, and when no Jonathan Taylor's still, he's on the sidelines. Maybe now he's, you know, that that helps you. Know, you win some games, you bring him back in. Maybe he gets back in the fold to give him a little more money. Uh, I'll take the Colts over the Ravens as, as the biggest upset from a macro standpoint. I think Zach Moss made a good case for why Ursay may have fallen ass backwards. In the 30 carries, 122 yards. So Jonathan Taylor is clearly a better football player, but uh, price per carry may be something that uh, continues to be a talking point. And uh, for the second straight upset, let me give my kicker shout out to oh, yeah, Mr. Do. Matthew Gay, who made NFL history mm. with literally one of the best kicking performances in NFL history. He hit four field goals of 50 yards or more which is the most kicks from that distance that any kicker has ever made. Justin Tucker has never made four 50-yard field goals in a single game. Sebastian Janikowski, never done it. Matt Gay is the only person who has done it. And the crazy thing is, this is a guy the Colts gave a lot of money to during the offseason, and it really was an eyebrow-raising yeah. move. This is one of those things where you don't spend a lot of money on a kicker unless you think you're close to uh, that's the thing they'll put you over the Super Bowl hump where it felt like the Colts were so behind everything that they weren't going to be good this year, and now they are looking good. And I, I'm guessing the Rams are regretting letting this guy walk in free agency because Gay crushed it. And as uh, I think you mentioned, Wilson, Justin Tucker did have a chance to win this game in regulation with a 61-yarder, but he fell about a yard short. So the fact that this was bad weather, we knew the tropical cyclone was going through, and although it wasn't pouring down rain, it was a wet field, it was a mushy field, it is not easy <laughs> kicking weather. And for him to do this uh, in that game and really win the game for the Colts was impressive. Well, let me let me follow up, follow up with that. Mush, it's a it's a turf field, so does mush come into play there? Well, I mean, like the turf is still wet, so it's like okay. the you know, and most of the field turf has the little kind of uh, tracky tire, the tire, tire the rubber yeah. pellets. And by hey, the way, uh, apropos of apropos of not, I mean, not nothing, but um, I uh, I felt like I did the thing with the two big TVs, the, the two four multi box things today. Uh, on the YouTube TV, which which is pretty the cool. YouTube like, TV. Well, what's that? No, you called it the YouTube TV. Oh, uh, like, yeah. The, well, the YouTube TV. Like, they, they have these channels where it's like random, and they do it for college, too. It's like random. And you could have like four games on one TV. I decided, eight, I basically had like a, a giant, like vertical octo box going. 
I felt like it was almost like I I, I want to do it like one more week and see if it's still it's almost like a little bit overwhelming. Like I need to I need to I need to I need like three games on each TV maybe. You know what I mean? It's like it's hard to watch nine at once. I will it's say that. hard to watch eight games at once. Is what yeah. What I'm I right. do, and you know we don't have to get off of this. I I do the uh, Scott Hansen, and then yeah, I the red zone, I red zone, other, and then I local. just have two other two other games on. That way I can yeah. I usually, I usually do I usually do that too, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna try these two multi boxes and see if it can work. And I felt like it was you could kind of like get too lost much. in the sauce on some stuff. I do yeah. I do red zone in three games. Eight, By the way, eight, Breach, you didn't mention this, and you might get your uh, kicker oh God. badge revoked. Not oh only God. did Matt Gay kick four 50-plus yarders, he striped four. It, like, there was no question about any of them. Despite oh, the right down the middle, and they all made it by probably five to seven yards, which from the distance he was kicking from that weather was – they all would have been good from 60. Yeah, that was a that was a an MVP, MVP performance even uh, by non and standards. All right, so I got some left. I got to go with the Texans over the Jaguars. Mostly two parts of this. Shout out to CJ Stroud. There was a conversation, and I think there's a lot of truth to it. Leading up to the draft, the Texans necessarily weren't sold on CJ at the number two pick, and then they did all that math. And DJ, uh, I mean Daniel Jeremiah actually predicted it in his last mock draft, I think, where they traded back up and got both CJ and Will Anderson, two guys they really liked. I'd heard that they were going to take Will at number two. Uh, Will blocked a kick today, a field goal, and then CJ, as you see here in this graphic from our dude Harry here, most passing yards in the first three career games ever. CJ Stroud at nine oh six, so he balled out. Tank Dell. Their draft pick balled out a wide receiver. Will Anderson was making plays. Uh, Blake Cashman had the interception on a really poor, poorly thrown ball from Trevor. Uh, they had some silly turnovers on the other side of the ball, despite the the interception from Trevor Lawrence. And Brinson, I thought it was interesting that you mentioned the play calling. Look, man, we ain't talking about Matt Cannon and Luke Getzey. We're talking about Doug Peterson, who reportedly, according to some Twitter reports, took over play calling at halftime. He was asked about it. Well, Press Taylor, Press Taylor sort of gave, calling plays, sort of gave yeah. a coy answer to it. So whether it's Press Taylor, who is Zach's brother, the coach for the Bengals, who a lot of people respect around the league. Are they really league, brothers? Is, I didn't know that. Yeah. A lot of people oh, respect around the league. Oh, well, that says a lot. <laughs> that a lot of people everything. respect around the league, and they expect him to be a head coach at some point. Or whether it's Doug Peterson, who is the dude. So, I mean, there are no excuses about, well, blame the play calling. I mean, you can, but that's a huge problem, it feels like. So, Brinson, do you want to defend Doug and or Press and or Trevor, Trevor Lawrence? Well, I would say that if Doug took over at halftime, um, it is it is somewhat telling that the Jaguars didn't score in the first half and that they did score in the second half. Look, you give up 37 to C.J. Stroud and the Texans and you're, you're, you're going to have a bad, you're going to, you're going to have a bad time. Um, our third largest road win in uh, franchise history against the Jaguars, by the way, 2019, they won by 23, 20, 2004 by 21. And then in 2012 and this year by 20. Um, yeah. I mean, look, tank Dell balling out. They didn't really run the ball extremely well. Um, they just sort of took care of business. They had an 85 yard uh, kickoff return. By a big man, which we talked about, right, Brian? On Andrew our, uh, Beck, Nissan, baby. On our Nissan play of the game. And, um, you know, they had a, that, that long pass from, from Stroud to, uh, to Tank Dell or a long touchdown uh, score. I mean, I, I think for me, if, if this is going to be a case where Doug Peterson calls the – like, I, I thought I mean, the offense looked much better in the second half. Now, granted, they're trailing uh, by double digits. You know, it's 17-7 to when Tank Bixby punches that, that touchdown in with uh, 11-17 to go. I, I think it – I think I would want if, – if, if the offense is going to be as lethargic as it was – 
in parts of week one, week two, and then the first half of week three, then I think it's time for Doug Peterson to take over and let Press Taylor do some other OC stuff. A la, you know, like an like like he can he can tell he can call the play, he can call it, he can tell press what the plays are and press can call them into the quarterback or whatever the hell they want to do. But I mean, I think Doug Peterson needs to be calling the plays if if we saw what we can get for like you score 17 points in the second half. I mean, that's not, you know, going to win you a game if you give up 37. But I think the, the larger point is the Jaguars' defense is not good enough to just keep them in game single-handedly most of the time. Um, well, I mean, they, they weren't playing the Dolphins. They were playing the Texans. Well, they shut down the Chiefs last week, though. Who did? The Jaguars. Oh, well, that's sort of the opposite of what you're saying, isn't it? I'd say most of the time it's not going to keep them in games. Like, if you're giving up 37 to the Texans – you're going to need to be an explosive, high-powered offense. They have the weapons to be that offense. And so it's it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, let Doug Peterson call plays moving forward, I think, is the answer. Well, and because you guys mentioned that, I will throw out real quick. Trevor Lawrence in the first half, 10 of 16 for 89 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Second half, 17 of 24 for 190 yards with one touchdown and one interception. But as Brinson pointed out, they were trailing, so they were kind of in a position where they had to throw the ball more. I don't know that he was that much more efficient in the second half. Uh, and real quick, again, special teams, such a huge part of this game, just like all the upsets we talked about. You guys mentioned the kickoff return for a touchdown. You guys mentioned the blocked field goal, which, by the way, after the blocked field goal, the Texans got the ball 41 yards away from the end zone and scored a touchdown. So they used that short field to get a touchdown. And then let's not forget that early in the game – the Jags could have scored the first points, but their new kicker, Brandon McManus, missed from 48. So Jacksonville blocked, I think, right? No, the first one was a miss. The second one was blocked. Okay. Uh, so Jacksonville had a total special teams meltdown in this loss. Can't win without special teams, Breach. All right, say smash the like button, people. If you're in the chat, if you're listening to the show <laughs> on YouTube, the, uh, the, the ratio of people watching to likes is it's not proportionate. So smash that like button. Throw Ryan Wilson a bone. He's being judged for this. I think we put it on Twitter one day and say, if, or X, if if this gets 5,000 likes, Brenton mm. will shave his beard. That's a good one. That's 5,000 likes? And we'll advertise it all week. Mm. I don't think I'm going to, if I'm shaving my beard, it's probably not going to be in the fall or the winter because like, it's just a lot harder to get sun on it. Like it would need to be like summer. So I, cause it's going to be, no, it needs to be December. Cause then everything will be the same color. Breach makes a good point. All yeah. right, move it on. Let's, let's do it. The farmer's tan. I'm more, I'm more tan than it looks right now. It's just the lights are very bright. Like, <laughs> if I leave back like this, it's a lot more. There, that's better. I mean, Breach, you look like you're wearing like a heavy layer of like some kind of makeup. makeup. That's my kid put it. No, I'm just kidding. I was outside. For the, you have a toddler just outside all the time. You are outside a lot. At the playground. All right, let's keep talking about the quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence in particular. And uh, Brinson, I'll come to you. Which young quarterback had the craptasticiest day? I think I just made that word up. Trevor Lawrence, we just talked about him. Sam Howell, who was sacked nine times and threw four interceptions in a game that uh, he doesn't have to worry about forgetting because I'm pretty sure he lost his memory the way they were be he was being treated by that defense. They went after him. Or Justin Fields, who has been living one long nightmare for his duration in Chicago. His teammates and his coaches refused to help him, and it was a particularly long day in Kansas City. He finished 11 of 22 for 99 yards. Uh, teammates dropping passes, uh, questionable play calls, the, the same old, same old there. For me, I think it's probably Trevor Lawrence, not based solely on the numbers. You hate Trevor Lawrence, though. But I think the issue with, with 
Sam Howell is like nine sacks. That can't all be on you. So, Brinson, who are you going with? Uh, I would say Sam Howell because <laughs> right back at you. Right yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that you can make look, you can make the case for all these guys. You could say Trevor Lawrence because he, you know, like like the Jaguars are like the Jaguars are supposed to beat the Texans. Like Pete Prisco said that he thinks they could be the one seed in the AFC. And and based on the fact they're gonna play all these different rookie quarterbacks, well, you barely beat Anthony Richardson and you just lost to CJ Stroud. So that's a problem. And Lawrence was uh was was not good. You were a huge favorite in this game. Uh Fields has been bad all year long. On the other hand, like was Justin Fields' performance even the third worst thing about the Bears week? No. Probably not. And you're going against the Chiefs and your Chicago in Chicago drafted Mitchell Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes. I could have told you Mahomes is going to have a revenge game in that spot. Uh, so I'll go to a different revenge game. Sean McDermott against his old boss Ron Rivera. Didn't even fire him, but just Sean. I can see. I can see William and Mary guys are spiteful, even like in unnecessary spots. And so I could see Sean McDermott somehow like wanting revenge, wanting to show up Ron Rivera and Sam Howell. Four picks. Nine sacks, nine times. Um, the sacks aren't great, but you know, sacks are a quarterback stat to a degree too. You're holding the ball too long, you're getting pressured. Sure. Um, the 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 problem, the biggest problem for me with the Sam Howell thing is, and like I'm a big Sam Howell guy, and I think he'll get, I think he'll get better throughout the year. Buffalo was a, a really tough test, but you have now by doing this at home in front of new owner Josh Harris, really put a target on Ron Rivera's back. The commanders are two and one, which is nice, but we sort of think that maybe it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. And if Howell, which by the way, this headshot just ridiculous. Like you can tell he went to UNC. Um, if he keeps playing like this, if he plays like this at all, and Ron Rivera's entire premise of this season was trotting out fifth rounder Sam Howell, who can put up a 41.5 passer rating and throw four interceptions in a single game. Ron Rivera is putting himself squarely on the hot seat. And so if, if, because of that, I will say that Sam Howell had the, uh, the, the worst performance because it jeopardizes way more jobs than the other two guys. Yeah, I, let me say this quickly, just to set you up. So highest expect, expectations for Trevor Lawrence, I would imagine coming into the season. And then Sam Howell, who knows, Justin Fields feels like he's on his way out the door. So do you agree with Brunson? Well, I feel most sorry for Justin Fields because I agree with that. Imagine playing in front of Taylor Swift and only throwing for 99 yards. That's there it just, is. That's embarrassing. Uh, I, I wouldn't even be able to show my face in public for a week. But like we all said, there was the, the, you, look, you just got, you just have to shake it off and like get back on the horse. I mean, that's <laughs> all you got to do. Please don't laugh. Uh, but <laughs> look, there were zero expectations for Justin Fields. No one thought the Bears were going to win that game, so he played exactly how everyone thought he was going to play. There's no disappointment there. Trevor Lawrence is interesting, but I just feel like the Texans are his kryptonite. He cannot beat the Texans. He is. It's like Joe Burrow versus the Browns. Trevor Lawrence, one in four against the Texans in his career. He was favored. Jacksonville was favored in all four games that he lost to them. He is the only starting quarterback in I th since 1970 who has four or more losses to a team that he was favored to beat uh, in his first three seasons. So that is a little bit crazy. So I'm also going to go with Sam Howe. I'm going to agree with Brenton here. And I think my thing with Sam Howe is that, look, he looked good the first two weeks. He threw two touchdown passes last week against the Broncos. That wild comeback win. 
They had the win over the Cardinals that looks a little bit more impressive now, and he looked pretty good there, even though, uh, you know, these nine sacks, maybe we should have seen it coming because he got sacked six times by the Cardinals. He got sacked four times by the Broncos. He had been sacked ten times going into this game. And so, yes, he sacked nine times, but you cannot throw four interceptions. Taking nine sacks is one thing. You can't also throw the picks, so including a pick six. So this is one of those where Washington's like, oh, we have a quarterback, and now you got to take five steps back and start wondering if you have a quarterback again. And now Sam House has to start taking these baby steps forward. You're doing it uh, at home, and you got Magic Johnson watching, and he's thinking, man, what are we doing here? Do we need a quarterback? So Sam Howe can't have another one of these games because the commanders are giving him the season to figure out if he's their guy. And if you're laying eggs like this, you're not their guy. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think Jacoby Brissett's in the, in the wings and he's reliable and Sam Howell feels like he would be less inclined to bounce back in a way that Trevor Lawrence would, because we've seen Trevor Lawrence have to do it under some, some pretty dire circumstances with a previous head coach, no doubt about it. All right. Let's talk about another quarterback who gets the franchise nod and sometimes doesn't play like a franchise quarterback. And Breach, I'll come to you because Trevon Diggs is, is out with the ACL for the year. He was one of the best players on that defense. It starts with Michael Parsons, of course. Dak Prescott, for the first two weeks of the season, wasn't really asked to do much. The defense sort of did the heavy lifting. And you might say, well, the defense didn't hold up a percent of the bargain against Josh Dobbs, but you can't say that without laughing. Uh, terrible interception at the end of the game. And I, I, I went back and looked. That last drive, it was 28-16, Arizona scored. And our guy, Mike McCarthy, follows us up. They get the ball at 722, and they they run a 14-play drive that ends in that interception. Use up four and a half minutes. Eight of those plays are run plays, and there is no urgency. And I'm sort of confused by that. But are you putting this on, on Dak? Is it Mike McCarthy being without Kellen Moore? Is it something else? Is it the injuries? Uh, are you concerned about the Cowboys? Because this feels like the Cowboys charging in a Cowboys way. Uh, it absolutely does. It is the old breach bot fell for it, kind of like <laughs> last year that we always talk about. And the thing was, I I was on a radio show earlier going into this week and saying, man, Mike, Mar <laughs> Mike McCarthy's so underrated. He's won 12 oh, games each the past two yeah, seasons. Boy. He is 2-0 now. This team finally looks good. And they're on pace to meet up in an undefeated matchup with the 49ers in week five. And <laughs> man, I should just rip my tongue out because I have no idea what I'm talking about. I must have jinxed the Cowboys. So you're talking about this is a game where they just got outclassed, and I I'm going to put it on Mike McCarthy. I know that there's okay. a few other options, and I could have gone another route, but I think, Wilson, you start to hit the nail on the head there. W th these play calls just don't make any sense. You're down multiple scores. You can't just be running the clock out. Why are you trying to run the clock out? You're losing. You're not up two scores, Mike. You are down two scores. And then the other part of this is that they got the red zone five times against the Cardinals, which that's a good number to get red zone five times. They scored one touchdown. So there are four times they did not score a touchdown. If you have a bad red zone offense, I put that more on the coaching than anything else. Was Dak great? No, Dak Prescott was not great. But this was a classic Mike McCarthy. We saw these types of games at the end of his Green Bay tenure a lot. And everyone would just stick their hands up and be like, when are we getting rid of this guy? And obviously the Cowboys aren't there yet. And uh, Jerry Jones just gave him a vote of confidence, which is probably horrible because he was talking last week about how good of a coach Mike is, mm. just as I was. So, yeah, I'm going to put this on McCarthy for bad play calling, bad red zone play calling. Just Hopefully it's a mulligan. I don't know I, what's going on here. I think the other thing, too, the other reason you can put it on Mike McCarthy is the Cowboys sleepwalked into this game. Like they, 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 they 
rolled out of bed and trotted down to uh, State Farm Arena or whatever it is, and we're like, all right. I mean, we're 12 and a half point road favorites against this trash Cardinals team, even though they're being coached uh, by, by, by one of the defensive coordinators who's been in that division for several years and knows what Mike McCarthy likes to do. Uh, you know, Kelly Moore have been calling plays, but still, you know, you get, you, you've seen this personnel plenty of times. You're missing uh, who, who they, who Zach Wills, Zach Martin, and who else was ruled out right at the, uh, it was like kind of a surprise. They're missing two offensive linemen. Yeah. Two starting offensive linemen. It was a, it was sort of a surprise. Like, oh, Oh, they're going to be missing two offensive linemen. That is, that is concerning. But man, I, I don't know. I put it on. Um, I put I put some of it on Dan Quinn and the defense too. And look, last week, the last two weeks, we went, oh, Dan Quinn's going to have his pick and litter when it comes to whatever job he wants. And Mike McCarthy's really coaching this team well. Micah Parsons, like I mean, Jim Nance was on CBS morning, CBS this morning, and and called him like a Lawrence, like Lawrence Taylor, like player. Uh, Jerry Jones called, said the same thing, right? Um, we've heard, you know, we, we were praising, like we put Micah apart. We did a ranking show with Prisco and had Micah Parsons in our top five non quarterback MVPs. And like said, he would probably be in there even if you included quarterbacks. So it's like all of this hype for the Cowboys after two weeks of just, you know, like running a cement truck over the jets and the giants. And we're like, well, the Cowboys, they are here. And maybe we were a bit premature because the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, like that's a that's about as easy a start as you can get if you're an NFL team. Giants, Rodgersless Jets, and the Josh Jobs like Cardinals, and so two and one's fine. But that that game was like you could put it on you put it on the defense for not being prepared. You put it on Mike McCarthy for not like they didn't come in ready to win that game. They came, they came in and looked they looked sloppy, looked lazy, and the, the Cardinals took it to him and were and out coached him. So uh, I put I put I put that on the coaching staff for sure. I just want to go on record as saying I was never on the Cowboys this year. I I just don't trust Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott makes me very nervous. I mean they can turn it around. One game you jump off the bandwagon, Ryan. By the way, it, Wilson. Response. By the way, if the Bucks, I mean if the, if, the, if the Eagles go down to Tampa. On Monday night and lose to Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. What an unbelievable weekend that will be for the NFC East. After everybody's like, oh, three of the four teams are undefeated in the NFC East. You start the weekend with like you start Thursday with like the Giants getting like slaughtered by the Niners. Then you have the commanders with the Bills. The Cowboys get blown up by the Cardinals. If the Eagles lose, that's an all-time weekend for the NFC least. The Bucks are the only team in the NFL without a turnover. Ooh, Put that in a, your pipe. Oh, uh, by, by the way, um, this is uh, sort of a callback to the beginning of the show, but I just I sort of remembered it, and I just wanted to point it out. Um, you know, the Dolphins didn't have a first round pick this year, right? Mm-hmm. You know whose fault that was? Sean Payton's. Because remember, they were they were uh, they lost the first round pick for the Sean Payton for tam- for the Sean, uh, Sean Payton Tom Brady tampering stuff, right? Yeah, I'm just saying, like you know, might be Daniel might be Daniel lost a first round pick. For not for something he had nothing to do with, and he got to play the guy who caused it today. And he- Sean Payton playing the long game; they'd have lost by a hundred if he didn't do that. So shout out to Sean Payton for thinking ahead. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about which two and one team we think is going to be terrible down the stretch. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Breach. There are a lot of teams that are two and one. There are a lot of teams that are one and two. Let's start with the good. Let's be positive. So one team each. Just give me your, your one word or two word answer if you want to give their, their full name, if they're their Christian name, of which two and one team you feel good about, and then we'll circle back and, and sort through it. So Breach, which two and one team do you feel good about in terms of them making some waves, being in the thing for the long haul and, and making their way to the playoffs? Well, I'm gonna take the easy way out and I'm gonna break your rules because it's actually a three-word answer. The Kansas City all right. Chiefs. Brinson, who you got? Two and one team that you are all in on. You you picked the Chiefs? Yeah, why not? Wow. I went out on a limb, Brinson. Some people aren't as bold as me. Sorry. <laughs> I bet you're gonna I'm gonna be bold. I didn't even consider the Chiefs because that's just well, you can tell us your answer. That's that's the whole point of this. What do you got? Maybe I'll maybe I'll get to it in a second. Um, I just didn't consider the Chiefs were even like on the table because they're the freaking Chiefs. They're the finishing champion. One. I'll take the only rule of this exercise is it had to be two and one. <laughs> two and one. You can say what you want to say. It's <laughs> fair. I, I, I guess actually, ironically, I'm going to select the team that caused the Chiefs to be two and one, <laughs> the Detroit Lions, because oh, okay. they beat the Chiefs in Week One. I, I, right, I was, hold on. We're going to go around and then we're going to okay. circle back. So we got the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Detroit Lions, which is actually uh, a thoughtful pick breach. And I'm going to get even more thoughtfuler. Make a board here. I'm going with another three-worder, Green Bay Packers. What? You guys can't both be right. All right, Breach, you get like 15 to 20 seconds to explain the Chiefs because I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You can talk about any potential hiccups. I don't know what they what would be outside of an asteroid strike. Yeah, there's no hiccups. This team, all they had to do. <laughs> Fair enough. They're going to make the, As long as Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, we saw his angle get banged up. Uh, which obviously isn't good, but you know what? He didn't have to play the entire game because he didn't, they, he didn't even get asked about his ankle. He got asked about Taylor Swift. <laughs> uh, and you look at the Chiefs, the, their schedule, they don't play a team with a winning record until November, but that game is against the Dolphins Ooh. and it's in Germany. Pick six in Germany for that game. What do you guys think? Uh, huh. Yeah. I wonder how two will do in Germany. All right. Well, that was an easy one. Uh, Brinson, you can give a more passion defense for the Detroit Lions. You had a little bounce back. Not a yeah, whoop. They're pretty close. I, I, yeah, I really took it as like a like two and one team we feel good about. I mean, yeah, Bre- I mean Breach did the right thing. They like, said, I'll take the Chiefs. I sort of took it as like a we are um, like team team that got back to two and one that we're now, you know, sort of like, okay, I feel pretty good about it. I'm not a team that blew out the Bears and, like, sauntered to two and one. Can we talk briefly about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, by the way? I'd prefer not to, but if you want to go for 30 seconds, you certainly can. God, you're such... I mean, everyone's talking about it. What is there to say about Taylor Swift? What do you want to say? I mean, I just think it's insane that, like, Travis Kelsey went to a concert at Arrowhead Stadium and brought up his bracelet with his phone number on it, like, the, you know, the Taylor, Taylor Swift friendship bracelet to try and... You know what I'm talking about, right? I can imagine. Trying to say saying. he has more game than you. We already know that. You don't have to give deep. I think there's a Taylor, there's a Taylor Swift bracelet like up. Anyway, um, the the point being is that um, like 
he went and, and then it was like reportedly struck out. And then these rumors started bubbling up that they were kind of seeing each other. And then she came to the game. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's probably the most famous person on planet Earth right now. Is there somebody more famous than Taylor Swift right now? Well, to breach Rock. his point, you don't want to be Justin Fields and throw for 99 yards. So Exactly. I'm just saying Taylor Swift was in the Kelsey's luxury box at the at the Chiefs game in Arrowhead Stadium sitting with with, with Travis Kelsey's mother hanging out with him. Like, they're straight up dating. This is going to be – like, if you think this isn't going to be a thing every week, it well, it is. Like, the camera's cut to her like 12 times on the Fox broadcast. Every time there's a score or like something weird happened, they would pan up to Taylor Swift. This was like – all anybody was talking about on social media was Taylor Swift. Patrick Mahomes wasn't asked about his ankle injury or beating the brakes off the Bears. He was asked about Taylor Swift. Like, this is going – if Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey date through February, it's going to be a thing. Like, well, it's just- I, to Brinson's point, I saw a couple of people make the same joke on Twitter that there's really no good end game here for Kelsey as far no. as if you break up, you end up as the bad guy in Taylor Swift's song. If the Chiefs start to struggle at all, helpful. Taylor Swift is a distraction and yep. you're messing up the chemistry. And the only way this ends well is if they somehow get married. Uh, but then this whole thing would become a circle because only one's going to talk about is uh, or, or you you win the Super Bowl and then like you break up in the offseason and and then like and then you lose the Super Bowl and it's like you got to get back together with her. Yep. Wilson, I mean you can't you can't I'm sorry, look, you can't be the leader the reason. You can't be the leader of this podcast and just have no interest in talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey when it was like the biggest story in the afternoon games on on, on Sunday. I thought the the Cardinals Dallas game was the biggest story in the four p.m. Breach. Tell him, tell him that the that Taylor Swift was easily the most talked about story. Oh my! God. Here's how we'll know, and then we'll move on. Breach, did you write a story about Taylor Swift today for CBSSports.com? I did not. That is, somebody, that is not the biggest. Somebody else, Taylor Swift beat writer though, so that's, somebody, that's not yeah, on me. Somebody else beat him to it while he's writing a Scorgami article yeah, about the Dolphins. Uh, and, and by the way. Also making matters worse, Taylor Swift is an actual Eagles fan. She writes about the, she's written songs about the, like talked about the Eagles in her songs. So now she's dating the tight end of the team that beat her favorite team. Like think about how Philly fans feel. Yeah, I mean, Brady Quinn's sister is married to AJ Hawk. They they worked it out. It's fine. Notre Dame and Ohio State. All right. My favorite team, the, the Green Bay Packers 2-1. and one. We'll talk about that in a second because Jordan Love is my new favorite uh, Taylor Swift like crush. Uh, but quickly, let's go through these one and two team that you feel good about breach. And it can't be the Chiefs, thank goodness. Uh, it is not the Chiefs, even though I wrote them down. I found out they're not one and two, so I can't name them. Uh, my one and two team I feel good about is the New England Patriots. Ooh, I love it. What do you got? Uh, yeah, we'll oh, talk yeah, about that. No, no, that's it. That's the Patriots. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, do you, oh, by the way, the Lions. Um, I just you, think you used your time on Taylor Swift. We'll no, to I'm talking about football too. The Lions righted the ship in a big way, took care of business at home against the Falcons. I was worried after the Lions beat the Chiefs, how do they respond against the Seahawks and the Falcons, two potential AFC NFC contenders along with the Lions? How do they respond? And they like the Seahawks game was so concerning, and then they just took care of business in a kind of a quiet way against Atlanta. I thought it was a huge bounce back for the Lions, who I think we can safely say should be the favorites in that division now. All right, who's your one and two team? Do you feel good the, about the one and two team that I feel good about? Ew. I, was uh, I will. I will take the. Um, who'd you take, Breach? The Patriots. Yes, you cannot take the Patriots. They're taken. I don't want to take the Patriots. 
good. I was debating between Chargers and Jaguars. I think that the Chargers, I'll, I'll say the Chargers because that's off script for you. Yeah, Wait, well, you're, the, you're debating between those two teams, you're going to take the team that blew a 27 nothing lead to the team, other team you were going to pick. Well, I just want to, I want to, I want to talk about the, well, I mean, are we going to talk about the, uh, the, are we going to talk about the Chargers yeah, and Vikings in a minute anyway? All right, yeah. then I'll take, I'll take the Jaguars since we already talked about them. Um, Doug Peterson taking hold of the controls on the offense. You still have Trevor Lawrence. You still have plenty of weapons. You can you can figure this thing out. Really bad loss, but you're in a division where one and two doesn't kill you in terms of uh, you know being able to make a deep run. And they got to three and seven last year and still made the playoffs. So I, I'm not I, I'm not pushing the panic button on the Jaguars right now. Got him because I'm taking the Chargers. The old- <laughs> you fell for it. I'm all in on the Chargers until they take Brandon Staley and fire him into the sun. Until that moment. Uh, they're my team. All right. So breach, we're going to do the bad side of this and we're just, we'll just go through the team. So we can keep this thing going here Two and one team. You don't, you think still stinks in a one and two team that you're like, you're convinced they're worse than ever. You well, I don't need to talk about them because we already did. It's the Washington commanders. All right. What about one and two? You have a one and two entry. Uh, the one and two team that their season's already over is the New York football jets. Oh, the jets. Okay. Um, uh, Brent, I'll stay in New York with my one and two team and say the Giants. I was going to say that could have gone either way. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think the um, the Titans would also qualify too. Just you're like, oh man, for still bad division. The Giants, man, in that division, it, it just you just can't, I don't think you can feel good about where, the direction the Giants are headed. And then uh, Ian in the chat called me out for this, but you know what? I will stay on brand. And the two and one team I don't feel good about is the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. They lose that game to the Packers today. They lose Derek Carr for some time. It may be. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's his AC joint, which it felt like the report that came out was like, who knows how long it's going to be. But I feel like an AC joint is usually like a couple of weeks, right? Jameson played poorly, but I mean, that team was up 17-0. So I, I, just, I just don't – there's nothing – There's nothing. they haven't been good on offense in any of the – even with Derek Carr in there in the three weeks we've seen him play. And the defense has been good – but have they played anybody good? Titans, Panthers, and, and Packers. Like I feel like the Saints get a like get a hold of something like a good team and they get their like their doors blown off. Good thing they didn't face Andy Dalton. Am I right, Breach? All right, I'm going to go oh! with the Saints were on my list too, as was Washington. But I'm going to go with the hometown Steelers. I'm not buying that Matt Canada nonsense. Big deal. You beat the team that's in the one and two list for me, the Raiders. Hooray! You're you're good at beating terrible football teams on national television. So wait, the Steelers and the Raiders are your two teams? Yeah. All right. <laughs> but the team that I mentioned that I'm in love with at 201, Breach and Brinson, are my Green Bay Packers. So I watched that Jordan. We had the Jordan Love game here locally. So I watched that on one of the uh my little uh, eight-inch really? televisions from back in the day. That guy is dealing, and they were getting their asses handed to him, and it had nothing to do with Jordan Love. Uh Jaden Jay, uh, Jay, Reed, excuse me, the Second round pick out of Michigan State dropped about 15 balls. So he made a great catch towards the end there. Uh, they were without some of their key players. Christian Watson still wasn't there. Aaron Jones didn't play. David Bakhtiari didn't play. It didn't matter. It feels like I wonder if Matt LaFleur in his heart of hearts wonders or even hopes that he had gone to Jordan Love last year. Not that he was better than Aaron Rodgers, but you get a year into the system, so on and so forth. But at no point did Jordan Love looked upset. He forced an interception in the third quarter when they were down 17-0. But after that and before that, he was absolutely dealing. It certainly helped that Derek Carr went out. So I'll ask you, Brinson. Jordan Love's the – I won't even ask you. I'll tell you. Jordan Love is going to be the Packers' long-term quarterback, no doubt about it. How far can this team go? Because it feels like that division is wide open. Yeah, uh, definitely is. I mean, the Vikings aren't very good. 
The Bears are absolutely terrible. Oh, boy. And the Lions, I think it's the Lions and the Packers, right? I mean, it's, it's going to come down, might even come down to like week week 18 and we get Lions and Packers on Sunday Night Football again, except this time without uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't even know if they play week 18. Don't quote me on that. But you okay. get the point. Um, I will. Yeah. I, 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 let me ask you this. Because we, I was texting with some friends about this. Are the Packers are Packers fans the most spoiled quarterback fans of all time? Like the luckiest quarterback fans of all time? I, I the only pushback I had was maybe you say the Patriots, the Colts. I Colts I threw out too, but I mean, like, dude, if Jordan Love is a legit quarterback, like, I mean, you're probably gonna you have a pretty good chance of having as much success with Jordan Love, the way he's looked as you did with Andrew Luck in the Colts, like Luck didn't really win anything. Peyton Manning won one Super Bowl and you got, so you got far with the far Rogers. And they're like, what if Jordan Love is awesome? He looks to be awesome. And I think there's something to be said, Breach, tell me what you think like this. There's something to be said for having a quarterback sit for two or three or four years to get that redone deal. Um, because his, his contract was going to be up his rookie deal, but that's just not the world we live in. But where are you on Jordan Love? The Jordan Love love fest, especially as it relates to winning that division. Uh, for me, he's Jordan-like. I like him. Really? I don't love him just yet. I, I need to see a little bit more. I mean, the first half, he went 7 of 17. I know there's a couple drops in there, but when you are a substantial number under 50%, it, it, you're just... They were all over the place, and for me, it really felt like the Packers didn't win this game until Derek Carr got injured, and the Saints just looked completely deflated on offense, even though Jameis Winston wasn't horrible. Uh, and you know, you mentioned that interception. He had a rough first half, seven to seventeen. Came out and threw an interception on the first possession of the second half when it was seventeen to nothing. They got the ball back uh, after the defense made a stop. Then they promptly went three and out. So we're talking about uh, really two possessions of the second half where it's just like, there's no way they're going to win this game. And then they got the ball again and drove down. Probably should kick a field goal, but went forward, called for them to go for it, which that is what it is. I thought it was a weird call. Just take the points. You're down three scores. You get a field goal. You cut it to two scores. Um, and they only won because the Saints decided to get a kicker uh, who can't make a 46-yard field yeah, goal. Yeah, they traded the other one that could. Yes, they did. The team that so, got beat by 50 points. And the 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 kicker who got traded, Will Watts, oh, not, he won the training camp battle, and his agent literally said – Training camp battle wasn't even better, even close. The Saints are being cheap, and this is going to backfire. But didn't, but didn't, but didn't Lutz didn't Lutz lose? Cost the Broncos a game in the week? Didn't he cost them the week one game? Oh well, Lutz hasn't been kicking great in the regular season, but the fact that they said that the Saints would regret this decision, here we are in week three, where the Saints might be regretting that decision. So I thought the Saints more lost this with the Derek Carr injury than the Packers did win it. So, I mean, great that they came back from 17-0, but I didn't come out of this game thinking, man, Jordan Love is going to be there for 18 years like Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. I came out of this win, game thinking, win, win one Super Bowl, and but yet somehow massively disappoint the fan base? Yes. <laughs> hey, let me let me make sure I heard you right, Breach. You were were you confused or about the going for two after they scored the first touchdown down 14? Is that what you just said? No. They went for it on fourth down on the first play of the fourth quarter. Oh, okay. They, they were I, down 17 nothing. They could have kicked a 31 yard field goal. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. That would have okay. cut it to 17 3. And in that case, they would have been down two. You're down three scores. You have to have three scores. Right. So if you kick the field goal, you're now down two scores in the fourth quarter rather than still being down three scores, which they were because they failed on uh, Jordan Love. And it's, a, and it's a 30 yard field goal, too. Right. Okay, good. So I wanted to bring up the, the other point and then we'll move on. But a lot of people ask, someone asked me last week, I think. Why do you go for two 
when you're down 14, you score a touchdown, you're down six, and then you go for two. Why do you go for two the first time? Uh, well, this is why. Because they went for two, and they were down. What were they down? Was it were they down? 14? They were down. They were down um, seventeen Seven. to seventeen to three. Yep. Because they kicked a field goal. So when you're down fourteen in the fourth quarter, analytics say you go for two after scoring the first one. And I believe the logic is that you, you have, have another chance to do it. What's that? You have another chance to do it if you don't get it. No, 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 no. The logic is that the percent chance of get, of converting a two point conversion is higher than your odds of winning a coin toss. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, they did it. They pulled it off, and it was sort of fun to watch happen in real time. So uh, to Breach's point, LaFleur should have not gone for it on fourth down earlier. He did the analytics math thing, pulled a Mike McD later, and Derek Carr got hurt, and they won. So well, and, and and people are saying they don't like the math, but like if you so if you're down if you're down fourteen, I don't like math either. Well, I, I think I, it gives you more mathematical outs, uh, no, and also but, the worst case scenario is that if you don't get it, you're still only down one score. Well, there's a couple of things. One, if you get the if you if you get the touchdown of the two point conversion, you're now down six. A touchdown plus an extra point wins the game for you. In theory, you can tie the game with two field goals. And, you know, there's a decent chance you'll have multiple possessions. The Saints actually, uh, the, the Packers ended up having two possessions, uh, got it back with a minute to go off the missed field goal. So they would have had a chance to go and win the game. And then additionally, if you, so if you miss the two-point conversion, you're down, you're, you're still only down one possession because you're down eight. So you have to go get a touchdown and a, and a two-point conversion as well. If you, but the made two-point conversion increases your win probability more than it would if you just go to overtime and have a coin flip. You see what I'm saying? So, like, that's the that's the math and the logic behind that, all the reasoning behind that. All right, uh, one word answer: Who wins the uh, NFC North? Lions. Breach. Detroit. Rock City. I love Detroit. the Lions. Today. Three words, by the way. Why don't you chastise Breach for being too long? I know. I, lo I love the Lions. I go three words over. Brinson goes 30 minutes I know, over. I know. I love the I Lions. Like I feel like I'm being pretty contained and and, and succinct with my answers. For instance, like a yeah, zoo animal right you should now. Sit, you should sit over here. Uh, <laughs> well, hey, one more thing. I, I mean, like half of us are trolling you because when I would host, well, you're not like, trolling me. I mean, you'd be like, I, you'd be like one more thing about that. Years. And then everyone would be like, Brinson, you're letting the show go too long. Hey, do you watch Suits on Netflix? What do you think about Suits? So I love Detroit. I thought he was going to say Suits. And I, love, I love Suits. And I love Jordan Love. So this is really good. I will answer that later. All right, let's talk about. Wait, who, who do you think is going to win the North? I'll say the Packers, just to mix it up. All right, let's talk about a team that we talked about honest. tangentially earlier because they were responsible for sacking Sam Howell nine times. But on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen, who had his own Sam Howell type of afternoon in week one when he threw four, had four turnovers, looks to be Josh Allen again. He's playing within the confines of the offense. He's running the, the plays that are called. He's not scrambling on every opportunity and taking stupid hits. Uh, he's letting James Cook cook. He's letting Stephon Diggs cook and let the defense do the rest. So, Brinson, Josh Allen's back, right? Yeah, Josh Allen no, never left. By the way, uh, Lions minus 105, Packers plus 155 to win the division uh, at DraftKings for those interested. So, still Lions favorite, but pretty close. Hey, and they play this Thursday, so I'm sure those odds will change by Thursday night. That's right. Can't wait. Uh, the, the, those, those odds will change after Thursday night, one way or another. Um, yeah, Allen never left. Uh, I think, you know, Bre Breach mentioned that uh, Houston Allen, is... Allen did leave on the first week one. He was not there. Uh, Breach ben mentioned that back. Houston is is Trevor Lawrence's kryptonite. I think Robert Sala and the Jets are just Josh Allen's kryptonite. 
Okay. That defense, for whatever reason, just messes him up. He said, same bleep, different day. Was really mad about it. And the last two weeks, the Bills have come out. I almost think like that loss to the Jets, like, you know, you're so amped up. It's it's September 11th. It is the Monday Night Football, you know, the Jet in, in New Jersey, right, you know, against the New York team. Um, Aaron Rodgers' debut, he comes out with the American flag. You know, Monday Night Football, every, just I mean, just a massive, massive game. And you lay this egg and you feel like you got sort of, uh, like not taunted, but sort of like, dragged into laying this egg by this defense that is being so smart about how they play against you and you just you're so aggressive and pushing the ball down the field and then you know you see Josh Allen the last two weeks against the Raiders and then against Washington and they ran the ball really well he's 20 of 32 218 a touchdown interception um, also had a touchdown running the ball three carries for 46 yards and that score like this was a lot about the defense for the Bills. The last two weeks for the Bills, they have looked like, and granted, they're playing the Raiders and they're playing the Commanders, but they have looked like a very balanced football, a very balanced, composed, uh, high-end football team, which is what we thought they were supposed to be. Now, I, I think that the 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 you know the ending of last year when they looked so you know they had the Demar Hamlin stuff, but then they looked so bad against the Bengals in the playoffs. Just like it was just a smack in the face by by Cincinnati there then you have all this offseason drama the and, and everybody was off the bills coming into the season like people were very down on the bills and I think that Jets game that lost to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers served to really conf like confirm some priors for people that didn't like the bills well I, I was very high on the bills I picked them to win the Super Bowl over the Niners this year and I think that this last the last two weeks, this has been the Bills team that we're going to see this year. Sort of a quiet, motivated, chip on the shoulder. Let's go out there and take care of our business team. They got overamped in week one. I think that's a, I think it's an aberration. And I think the Bills are going to be a very, very good football team. Um, Bills-Dolphins is going to be a slugfest for uh, for this division, in my opinion. Hey, Breach, rank the teams in the AFC, and then you can give us your, your Bills take. And the entire AFC? All 16 teams. You can do the top three or wherever the Bills come in, and you can stop there if you want. Um. Oh, you want to know where the Bills come in in the AFC? Uh, I mean, I think that you probably have... I, I've already ranked these earlier with, with Pete and Jamie, so I can tell you it's, it's uh, Dolphins, Chiefs, Bills right now. <laughs> you ranking you ranking for, for Breach? There you go, Breach. What about the Ravens? They just lost to the Colts. So no. Yeah, and the Chiefs lost to the Lions. And the in Bills lost to the Jets. Oh, oh, well, by all means, rank the Ravens ahead of the Bills. Uh, maybe I will. Well, um, if you would hurry would, to rank, it'd be great. I would say Dolphins, Chiefs, Bills. So exactly what I said. No, exactly what I just said. <laughs> all right, go ahead. What do you, uh, you nah, go I, with Josh Allen? I, yeah, I think yeah. the only thing I'll say about Allen is that I feel like the Bills sat him down and somebody said, look, Josh, don't be dumb and we can win the Super Bowl. And that's it. Just, it's that simple. Yeah, Just That is pretty simple. You don't have to be Mr. Put the team on your back and make crazy throws. You saw what happened against the Jets. That's not going to help us at all. You mentioned it, Wilson. Play within the confines of this offense. Make a play when you have to. Make a play when you need to. But we don't need you to make a play on every single down. And, I, I mean, we saw Stefan Diggs somehow running wide open the whole game. It's like the commanders forgot he existed. <laughs> uh, but Allen found him. And that's what good quarterbacks do. They find their best players. Uh, and the most in, like interesting thing, though, is that not only have the Bills won the past two weeks, they've won these games by at least four touchdowns. Yeah. And fun fact, 
They're the first team since 2002 to lose in week one and then win their next two games by 28 points or more. Oh, that is a fun fact. By the way, the uh, I mean the, the the commanders got their three points. 37 to three was the final with 46 seconds left in the game on a 51 yard field goal, which that is one is of those like, I just need someone not to look at this. No, that's running on a perfect game, man. Like you don't kick a field goal with 46 seconds left when you're being shut out. Take the shutout like a man. Well, that's what I'm saying. Done. Like Bruce Arians did this like against the Bears a few years ago. It's like he's like I'm kicking this 60 yard. He's like I is it's like dude, you have to go for it on fourth down here. Like what are you doing? He's like no no no. I'm getting the points because I don't want that zero in, in the column. I, I think to very very quickly just to add on the Josh Allen stuff in the confines of the offense. Patrick Mahomes we talked about this at length this offseason, How he changed the way he played football because teams and, and Joe Burrow too. Like teams started playing these two highs. On, on the back end, taking away the deep ball, forcing quarterbacks to be conservative because they don't want to get torched by these massive plays from these big-armed, aggressive quarterbacks. And Josh Allen, that's just part of his maturation is figuring out how to do that as well. And I think, you know, granted, easier against these defenses, but the commanders have been good. He's done a be much better job of that the last two weeks after a disastrous week one. All right. I'm going to take a quick break and come back. We're going to talk about how the Vikings outchargers the Chargers when it comes to charging right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Mm. All right, let's talk about my guy, Brandon Staley. And Breach, tell me what you would do in this situation. Let's say you're Yo. winning 28-24. <laughs> it's fourth and one from your own 24-yard line. There's 146 left to go in the game. You can punt. You can kick a field goal. You can run out of the back of the end zone. Or you can go for it with a super crappy running game. What are you going to do? Okay, you can't kick field goal. I was just kidding because you're at your own 24-yard line and you are obviously mentioning, I will set the stage fourth and one from your own 24, one minute and 51 seconds left and you are up by four points. If you fail, if you do not get this, the Vikings have the ball 24 yards from your end zone with a chance to take the lead. But if you get this, the game is effectively over. No, it's Please. over. They have no timeouts left. Yes, so it's effectively over. You still have to kneel it three times. You can fumble. <laughs> it's the Chargers. Snaps. We saw a miracle in the Meadowlands when snap got fumbled. Uh, it's happened. So not 100% over, 99.9999, Brinton. Um, but last week against the Titans, we were talking about how it's like Staley's lost his mojo. He's got this identity crisis. He doesn't know what to do on fourth down anymore. He's outthinking himself because he would he 
went for it all the time his first year. Then he got criticized the second year because he was losing games. Uh, you, you miss the playoffs because you lose that game to the Raiders by going for it in your own territory. This exact situation uh, and failing. And he had a call he should have or he probably should have gone for it last week and didn't. And then this week, I'm probably punting the ball here. And then he fails, and it doesn't even blow up in his face because they end up winning. So if they lose, I swear Dean Spanos might have walked on the field and yeah, fired him on the he spot. He would have been fired. So let me let me set the stage even further because I went and looked it up. Ben Bott, as you mentioned, uh, Brenton, is no longer on Twitter because of whatever, X rules. But he does have a website, and he luckily had this one up. The win probability, if you go for it in that situation, which we were all yelling and screaming our televisions about, is 89%. If you punt, it's only 79%. But here's the deal. You punt, and you still have more than three-quarters of a chance to win the football game. But, Brinson, why don't you talk about what happened in terms of how do the Vikings not win this game when they get the ball there? Well, just really quickly on the on the, on the, on the fourth and one, um, because we had this – me, Nick Costos, Jamie Eisenberg, and Pete Prisco got in this huge argument about this, like lengthy, like screaming, like – Ended up with like Pete saying something about Nick that's like I can't even repeat on air. Um, but the point being is Nick and I both thought like I'm okay with going for it, and here's why: the Vikings had four drives that culminated inside the Chargers' ten yard, six yard line. Excuse me, they got inside the Chargers' six yard line four times and came away with ten points. That is really freaking bad. You get that close to the goal line that many times and you come away with 10 points, that's horrendous. So if you're Brandon Staley, you're looking at this and saying, they this Vikings team has been Vikings it up and or charging it up all day on us. They're marching the ball up and down, but just find ways to shoot themselves in the foot. If I go for this, like if I'm Brandon Staley and I know I'm on the hot seat and he has to know that because the way that he snapped last week about the, with the reporters, go out swing, go out the way you came in, go out being you, go out swinging with your analytics and go for it on fourth and one. If you can't get a yard there, then what are you doing? What's the point of this team in this offense? Yard. Well, that's the whole point there is that uh, have you, did you watch them run the ball at all? They had 30 total rushing yards up to that point on 15 carries. Well, they were barely bootleg, averaging two yards bootleg per Herb, bootleg, bootleg Herbert. Okay, like, that's fine. Let right. Herbert throw, but that's not what they did. They that's called Josh weird. Kelly up the middle, and Josh Kelly had the, done nothing the entire game. The play, the play call was a problem, and I think that goes back to sort of like the, the give and take of these fourth down decision-making, where it's like you can – like the the Eagles always going for it on fourth and short, or th you know, like going for it on fourth and one. You have you have Jalen Hurts in this push the quarterback push thing, right? You have a really effective play that you can call on. Well, the the Chargers need to have a more effective play call. They they need to marry the play calling with the decision to do it. Josh um, Kelly averaged one point one yards per carry, and he did not on that last play. He averaged less than that on that last play. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that the play call was good. But like, I'm not going to judge the decision based on the outcome. Like, I, I'm not going to be results. That is an I, absolutely bonkers decision. I mean, there's. No I am judging it. It's insane. Like, I'm judging <laughs> on the fact that the football gods hate the Chargers. Yes, and it's it, it's just. I think I think if the Chargers punt, they lose the game. They had an eighty percent chance to lose it, according to uh, to when it. The Vikings got that. Like this is this is the thing about this game is like you knew this game was going to end in some stupid form or fashion. I joked last week. I was like, "There's going to be a it's like somebody's going to attempt a seventy-two yard field goal that's going to get blocked, and then like right before that person walks into the end zone to like on a game-winning block, like he's going to drop the football, and then the other team's going to run it down, then they're going to drop it. It's going to be the other way. Instead, Brandon Staley goes for it on fourth and one on his own twenty-four. The Vikings somehow 
can't go 24 yards to and get a touchdown to win the game and instead throw an interception and and end up losing the game and basically probably put a death knell on their season. I mean, I guess there's still maybe no. Well, yeah. and and you to the Vikings point, chance to go into the playoffs. Wilson, you mentioned that they outcharged the Chargers and they did that by totally just botching the clock management in the final 45 seconds. Uh, just unbelievable. Yeah, and the the other thing is. The very first throw that Kirby made, I have to call him Kirby now, even though he's played pretty well this year, uh, he hit C.J. Osborne. I mean, they were inches away from being a touchdown in the very first play, which would have been, whatever, a minute and change left. And after that, it was straight downhill. And it culminated with that interception where Aloy Gilman had the PBU against Hawk, and then the ball was intercepted, and that was a wrap, and Brandon Staley could unclench his butt cheeks. Uh, by the way, I want to mention quickly, so look, we used to crush – Last year, Ed Donatel with that super terrible defense he played in, mm -hmm. in Minnesota where everyone was running wide-ass open. To Brian Flores' credit, he is getting after it. And this is the next-gen stat that got my attention. The Vikings blitzed Justin Herbert on 40 of his 50 dropbacks, the second-highest blitz rate uh, in the uh, next-gen series. Herbert averaged 2.26 seconds time to throw. His first game under 2.4 seconds in his career and had a career-high uh, completion percentage over expected. <laughs> 16% increase. So Justin Herbert, go just sort of bring this a full circle. 47, four or five, three touchdowns. And the only re like, and then Keenan Allen also had a 49 yard bomb to Mike Williams. Yeah. Throw it, throw it and catch it. Mike Williams got hurt. We'll see where he is on that. But the, the reason I mentioned that thing, that that's from next gen stats is because uh, to bring it full circle, maybe Justin Herbert still is better than Tua. Although for me, I'm team Tua until. He proves me otherwise. Well, and and you could also make the case too that maybe the the Chargers with Keenan Allen being like just sort of the like the um, like obliterator of single coverage that he is and like the route runner that he is and his ability to work like so how how you blitz like crazy like that you're going to leave yourself open on the back end. Keenan Allen can beat dudes one on one and he can find holes in zones right. And so twenty targets, eighteen catches, two hundred and fifteen yards. Like maybe this wasn't the team to aggressively blitz or like credit to Kellen Moore and that, and that coaching staff. You know, sure, the, the fourth and one decision sucked, but they had a really good game plan to go up against Brian Flores in this offense. Um, with eight minutes left in the first in the second quarter, by the way, this game was seven to nothing. And then it just got crazy. Speaking of a paucity of points, you like that alliteration. Paucity. All right. Listen, man. Robert Sala continues to say that Zach Wilson is is his dude. He said that after the 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 loss to, to my Mac Jones Patriots. Uh, and I mentioned Zach Wilson because this Jets team's defense is really good. And I mentioned Zach Wilson because we just talked about Kirby Cousins, who's in the last year of his deal, and he can be traded. Brinson, are you considering any and all suitors for the quarterback job? Or are you going to pull a Salah and stick with Zach? And if you're considering these quarterbacks, is Kirby Cousins in the conversation? Well, a um, couple of things. Uh, one, I would like to point out that I – correctly called this basically this exact like how this game would go exactly patriots win patriots cover not many points i know shocking that uh <laughs> area man area man follows what's gonna me. happen tomorrow with the sun is it coming up or not <laughs> right um the i don't know do you see the report from jay glazer on sunday that the that the that and Matt Ryan actually confirmed this to Jeff Kerr, I believe, or somebody. I mean somebody at CBS confirmed it. Matt Ryan was like, yeah, that happened. His agent reached out to the Jets and said, hey, uh, would, you be, would you be interested in Matt? And Carson Wentz's camp reached out to the Jets, too. The Jets told the, both of them, no thanks. Thanks, but no thanks, um, which means they're going to roll with Zach Wilson. I think 
at this point at one and two with your one win being an overtime uh, punt return walk off on you know, in an insane, just just bizarre evening where you know your defense held its own, uh, but then you get obliterated by on your defense. Your defense gets obliterated by the Cowboys, and you know you lose to the Patriots. Like I don't know that trading for Kirk Cousins, given all that you've traded for Aaron Rodgers, is necessarily the move. I think it's probably a more um, uh, you know a more intelligent move just to be like, all right, let's like look, let's go with Zach. Let's you're gonna see what you have. Well, we I know, know. I, I know you know what you have, but you still drafted him second overall, and it's his third year, and you like. You 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 didn't cut him. You didn't get rid of him. He's your backup for a reason. You can make a – this season will give you a very clear and defined decision to make after after it's over about what you <laughs> want to do with Zach Wilson. Yeah, man. Uh, I think Vince Lombardi said hope isn't a plan. <laughs> it just feels like here's, – here's, here's what I would come back to. And I don't necessarily hate what you're saying, but if you ask Garrett Wilson on the sidelines on Sunday, would you rather have Kirk Cousins or would you have uh, Zach Wilson? He would drive Zach Wilson to Minnesota, kick him out of the car, and bring Kirk Cousins back because he has been frustrated the moment Aaron Rodgers went down trying to deal with Zach Wilson. What do you think, Breach? Yeah, I, that's absolutely – I don't know if you're Robert Sola, how you can look your offensive players in the face knowing, or your defensive players knowing that – I mean, that they benched him for Mike White last year. Like, you're I mean, throwing the season away. I mean, this team lost 15-10 to 10 to the Patriots. If you have a competent quarterback in there, you maybe win this game. And then you're 2-1. and one. It's a completely different thing. And I, you know, there is something to be said for what you guys are talking about as far as do you want to give up more compensation because of what you gave up for Aaron Rodgers? But if you don't, then you have to go out and sign a Matt Ryan or a Carson Wentz. And it's not that those guys aren't an upgrade over Zach Wilson because they are. It's that they have to get acclimated and learn this offense. They've built up chemistry with these receivers. And it's you can't just throw a new quarterback in there. And I think that's kind of Robert Sala's hesitation. But again, you have that buy coming up in week in October 22nd, week seven. And if you can be two and four, just so you just win one of your next three games, you play the Chiefs, Broncos, and Eagles. Maybe you can beat the Broncos with Zach Wilson. I was about to say, you really have to beat the Broncos. <laughs> and <laughs> then you trade for Kirk Cousins or sign Matt Ryan or sign Carson Wentz. They have two weeks to get to know and learn the offense. And then coming out of the bye, you play the New York Giants, who aren't that great. So it's almost like getting a practice game before you actually have to play your real games. So you got to make a decision soon, and I don't know how he can justify to his team sticking with Will. If you want to go, if you want to go get Matt Ryan and pay him, that's fine with me. Uh, I don't want Carson Wentz. Dude, Carson Wentz ain't gonna be good for this. Like, what's Carson Wentz gonna do? Like, Matt Ryan would would be he would not want to do this after the first hit. I, I mean, it, he clearly right. But he reached out. I'm just saying, like, if you want to do Matt Ryan, fine. I don't want to give up anymore. If you can get Kirk Cousins for a fifth round pick or something, well, I mean, I, you can't give up a first round pick for Cousins. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, they're you not lost your do second it. round pick. I'm just saying, like, Minnesota's not going to call it in on the season without getting something significant in return for Cousins. I wouldn't think. Yeah, that's right. But here's the other thing: you're all in if you're the Packers. What's one more? I mean, here's the way I think about it: Would Les Snead do it? Absolutely. He'd be like, "Yep, I'm gonna. I don't need these first round picks. Uh, I mean, that's very famously been on a T-shirt, and they won a Super Bowl. I, I just think this Jets offensive line is a problem. It's it I, is. I, I don't think Dwayne I don't Brown think, was on IR, and they had to move McKay back to the left side. Yeah, like I don't think the Jets are winning a bunch of games this year, regardless of who's quarterback. And I, I honestly think, and this is you know the benefit of like can't be proven wrong, hind slash foresight. But I don't know that they're a playoff team with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, stop it! 
they were well, we'll never know how he's gonna play this year, but I know, right? certainly not. And I can't it. even make my famous suggestion of trade for Gardner Minshew because there's no way the Colts are giving him up now. No way. He's right. a starter. There's a quarterback he's, controversy. He's not up unless you offer a first round pick. Yeah. I yeah. just don't think I don't think the Jets have any business trading away more assets trying to chase a season that probably is lost anyway. Like I would rather they're one of two. And Breaches, one of Breach's favorite teams are one of two, the team that beat them, 15 to 10. Boom. They and should be 0-3, and, and they're probably going to end up being like 1-5 and five by the time that we get to their bye. Yeah, and they will still not have Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan or Phillip Rivers or anyone else. It'll be Zach Wilson. All right, going to round it out with this. The Sunday night football get-together. Truly terrible football. Truly terrible decisions. And again, just like the, uh, the Chargers-Vikings game, I'm going to start at the end. And, and Brinson, I want you to explain something to me. You look like a smart guy. That's a lie. It's 23 to 15. I mean, I do, but you're lying. I don't lie. Often. 23 to 15. And there's 315 to go in the fourth quarter. And Josh McDaniels, in his infinite wisdom, who learned under the best, Bill Belichick, again, down by eight, sends out the field goal team. The Steelers, in their infinite stupidity, Get called for uh, what's the thing when you jump on the guy's head? Leverage. leverage. Gets called leverage. for leverage. The you have leverage, you say. <laughs> or leverage if you're in England. So the drive continues. First and 10 at the Pittsburgh 14. You're down by eight. And they get down to the eight yard line, the Raiders do. Now with 225 to go, you got to go for it, I would imagine. And Josh McDaniels goes for it with Daniel Carson's foot to make it a 23 to 15 game or 23 to 18 game, excuse me. And and doesn't onside on the on the ensuing kickoff. So on what planet are you kicking a field goal when you're down eight with two minutes to go? We uh touched on this before we went live on the show. And I mean I, I think we were probably all in agreement here. Like I thought the first attempt when he went forward and, and Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tarika were pretty apoplectic about this as well. Like fourth and five at Pittsburgh's twenty-nine. You've um, you know, you've gone and gotten a touchdown. Uh, on that on that pass to Devonte Adams, and you've been like pretty. I guess you didn't have any fourth. You didn't have any fourth downs on on that drive, but you go get the touchdown. You get the two point conversion because you got the pass interference, and then you're able to, um, you know, uh, Jimmy uh, he, Jimmy G hits uh, the, the Notre Dame tight end Mayor. You cut it to to eight points. You're down eight. Like I get it if you want to kick that first field goal at fourth and five at Pittsburgh twenty nine. Daniel Carson's a good kicker. It's indoors. He kicks very well at home. You cut it down to five. You can win with a touchdown. You could potentially walk it off. You kind of trust your defense. You've got four timeouts if you count the two-minute warning. There's a lot of time left, and you feel like you're going to get the ball back because you just did. And Matt Canada might turtle up a little bit. Um, but as we talked about, when you accept that penalty on Pittsburgh for leverage and you get 15 yards and it becomes first and 10 at Pittsburgh's 14, you are – and like effectively saying, I'm no longer kicking a field goal. That has to be your thought process because you now, if you do what, what they do, even if you run no huddle, even if you have uh, what two incompletions, you still are going to have about two and a half minutes on the clock when Daniel Carlson kicks that field goal, which he did from 26 yards on fourth and four at Pittsburgh's eight. Now look, fourth and four from the eight, that's a tough spot. You got condensed field. You got to get four yards to pick up the first down. TJ Watt is like firing off the like firing into the backfield every single snap. But you you have just burned like a minute and a half of clock. 
You cannot possibly kick that field goal and then just assume you're going to stop it because if you do not stop, if if the Steelers get one first down, you're going to have like 20 seconds if you get the ball back. And that's what happened. And then they fumbled the, the punt and he had 12 seconds. And so like, to me, that was absolutely ludicrous to do. You have to go for it there. And if you don't get them, then you get a chance to stop them and they're going to run the ball three times anyway. So Breach, as a special teams correspondent, make it make sense. Uh, so I agree with Brenton, as he said. We talked about we 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 had a strong talk about this beforehand. But like you said, Brenton, with three ten left, it's not a completely crazy decision. But after the penalty, now there's you're down to two twenty two in that fourth down. You're at the eight yard line. You have to get the touchdown. But here's what Josh McDaniels is thinking. His thought process is that there's only about five things that can happen here, and no matter what happens, it's fourth and four from Pittsburgh's eight yard line. Our defense has to make a stop. If I kick the field goal here, we are down 23-18. We still have to get a stop and get the ball back. If I kick a field goal and miss, we still have to get a stop and get the ball back. If I go for it on fourth down here and I do not get it, we are down 23-15. I have to get a stop and get the ball back. If we score a touchdown and we do not get the two-point conversion, we have to get a stop and get the ball back. If we get a touchdown and we get the two-point conversion, we have to make a stop because it's only a tie game and we have to make sure the Steelers don't win. So every situation you're looking at involves your defense making a stop. And so McDaniels is thinking, we have to make a stop anyway, so why don't I just take the two-point conversion out of play? That's the least I can do for my team because I feel like that is the highest percentage thing in my head right now. And I'm not saying that's right. Again, I wouldn't have done it with 222 left. Probably more likely to do it uh, on that first fourth down. But as Brenton said, once you accept that penalty and you're burning more time off the clock, you have to get the touchdown, uh, and they didn't. But his thought process just blew my mind because, as I told you guys, they were in the same situation beginning of the fourth quarter with 13 minutes left. They had a fourth and five from the Steelers, 22, and they went for it. Uh, and if they would have kicked a field goal there, they would have cut it down to 23 to 10, which would have meant they wouldn't have need two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. Instead, went for it, didn't get it. So it's just McDaniel's mind was all over the place. None of his logic didn't make sense. Uh, so it was just crazy. So let's let's end on this. Remember last year when the Raiders started one and four and then they were two and seven, and they lost their last three and last four or five. And we were talking about Josh McDaniel potentially being on the hot seat and Mark Davis. Neither neither Mark Davis nor his bowl cut were going to have that. Are we getting close to that? I, I mean, look, Jimmy Garoppolo is serviceable. Devontae Adams is a Hall of Famer. But Josh McDaniels has made a lot of head-scratching decisions that on some level cost his team wins. So how far down? If it's if 1 to 10 on the hot seat and 10 is Brandon Staley, what number are we giving Josh McDaniels? Mm, three and a half. What should it be? What should the Brinson hot seat meter be for Josh McDaniels? Uh, well, give me a number and then you can talk. Six and a half. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I, I just think, I think, I mean, McDaniels, like, Mark Davis really doesn't want to fire another coach, a big name coach who he pursued aggressively. Um, you know, he's tied to the front office with Dave Ziegler. He is, you had the built-in excuse and like you, you can say whatever you want, but it is a reasonable excuse that Mike Mayock and John Gruden left the cupboard very, very, very bare. I think it's like 13 first round picks in five years and they, or maybe it's like seven and, and three years or whatever it is. And they botched almost all of them. And I'm not, I'm not trying to prop up Josh McDaniels. I'm just saying like, 
if I'm if I'm running the Raiders and I've spent all this money on McDaniel's to bring him over, and I'm already feel like I'm you know the the John we kind of got the John Gruden thing in the in the, you know, but I, th- I think there's still some financials there that they're like wait you're you're not you're not a you're not the Walton family is what I'm saying. You don't want to pay Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels is a huge contract. You do not not, want to not good work. night not John Boy Walton's. You mean Sam Walton? Sam Walton, exactly. Yeah. You're not the you're not the Broncos ownership, and you're not David Tepper. Like you don't want to be paying Josh McDaniels' contract and then have to go hire another coach because inevitably that's going to cause you to, to be a little cheaper on your coaching hire. Um, and, and I think that because of this, the failures of those first round picks by by Mayock and by Gruden, you're more likely to give McDaniels time. And you're in this first year with Jimmy G. They've been, in some, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't think his seat is hot. I thought it was crazy that people were saying it was hot last year. And I think it, they're like, a bad football team. I don't think it's crazy, right? But like internally, you're pinning it all on. That's fine, but I mean, this is the hallmark of mediocre organizations. That's my point. I mean, if you want to win, you can make all the excuses you want and blame. You can play Game of Thrones, but at the end of the day, you're still a terrible football. I mean, I mean, don't you agree though that like the roster is like bereft of talent thanks to John Gruden? That roster is not terrible. I mean, I've seen. Have you seen the Bears roster? Like that's a team that's not going to win a football game. You could argue that the. <laughs> it's like, hey, have you seen? Have you seen the worst team in football? Yes, I have. They're terrible. Well, my point is that this team. What was the? Do you know off the top of your head the over under for the Raiders coming in? It was like it was about the same. It was under the Bears. Oh, that's that's crazy town. Breach. What the Bears are seven and a half. The Raiders are six and a half. Breach, what are your what's the hot seat meter? Uh, uh, the official. I, I agree with Branson. I don't think there's any chance Mark Davis fires Josh McDaniel, so I'll put it at a two and a half. What but if this was a normal franchise that was not owned by one person yeah. who makes all the unilateral decisions, then I would say that it'd be a seven. Yeah, right, like, think- if, like if this are the Browns where Jimmy Haslam's like cuckoo for cocoa puffs and like is willing to spend money on coaches he's firing, it's a, a lot more likely he's fired. I mean, what Colton Miller? Um, I mean, we'll count Devonte. I know he's a, not a first round pick, but like you know they traded first round picks for him. So like Colton Miller, Devonte Adams, Josh Jacobs, who's a previous regime Miller was too, um, Tyree Wilson. I mean, those are your first round picks who are in your starting rot like on your in your starting lineup. Like, I don't know, man. I don't think it's a very good football team. I think we agree in terms of Mark Davis act- is trying to talk himself into thinking he has a Zach Taylor. Two wins, four wins, and then Super Bowl. Yeah. And what changed Zach Taylor's fortunes? Uh, Zach Taylor got he became a better coach, Ryan. That's what, well, then he, he signed up for yoga. He needs to sign up. Well, maybe, maybe, hey, maybe this wouldn't be the worst year in the worst year in the world to be a terrible football team if you're the Raiders. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you get uh, Quinn Ewers. All right, that's it. Drake May. Uh, Drake May. That's a conversation for another time. Whoa, 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 really? All right. Emory Jones, quarterback Cincinnati. That's it. That's a wrap on Sunday night, Super Friends. But don't worry, we'll see you guys back here next Sunday night. In the meantime, Check out the Pick 6 Podcast all week on NFL on CBS or wherever you get your pods. All right. Thank you to all you guys who hung out with us in the chat. Where'd you get we your appreciate teleprompter? appreciate you. What's that? Where'd you get your teleprompter? For Brenton, for Breach, for producer Harry, <laughs> I'm Wilson. See you guys next week. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. 
Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.